All right. So here we are back on the hit factor. We're going to be talking about area four. Uh, we all shot this match. We all shot it together. And you know who all of us are by now. Who wants to throw in there? Two cents first. I'll go ahead and start on that. Um, the match, I would describe it as a pretty straight-up shooting challenge match. Um, it would be easy to, at first glance, think maybe the match was a little little too easy. Uh, but I think it was an appropriate level of difficulty. There was certainly plenty of room to hang yourself on stuff if you uh, were going too hard. And then some of the swingers were challenging targets, especially to try to get in one pass without being to the level of impossible to shoot for, you know, the average shooter. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a good challenge. I enjoyed the stages a lot. Yeah, definitely. It would definitely... Some of the swingers, like you said, uh, in order to be competitive, you really wanted to try to hang hang two on one pass uh, on on a couple of them, and that I mean I thought that was pretty challenging on on two of them. Now there's there was that one that just stands out. I don't remember what bay it was on, but you basically shot it to the left side of where it activated. Yeah, and you you essentially you had to shoot it as it was coming down, so that you get the second shot while it was going up, and you only had. I don't know, maybe a quarter of the lower A zone available up to the head. That was a that was a challenging target. Yeah, so I I threw a mic on that one. So yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a really good match. Um, like you said, it it didn't really look like anything crazy, but there were. I mean, there were several stages that I thought had decent options. Uh, me and Jared both shot production. And we shot stuff pretty differently, the two of us, uh, just the way we ended up shooting. And so I always think that's a pretty good sign when it's not it's not terribly obvious, which which is the best way to shoot something. So I like that about the match. There there seemed to be some options, and our squad had a lot of discussion on on targets. And I always feel like that's a good sign when you go to a match and there's just a lot of discussion on on the best way to run something. And then, you know, get people disagreeing and calling each other names, telling them they're stupid and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was great. Jason, how about yourself? What did you think? Um, I mean, I, obviously, I liked it. Um, so, Chad Stanton's a match director. He's the Area 4 director. Uh, Chad always does a uh, runs a great match. Um, everything runs great. His stages are really good. And... Um, so from that aspect, like everyone said, yeah, you had plenty of options on most all stages. Um, I'm, I mean, there was a couple stages where you you really didn't have much of an option, but that happens just because like the start position's here and then it just flows. Or on one of them, you're kind of boxed into an area and you just go left or right and there's no there's no real option. But that's not a flaw of the stage by any means. Um, but there were several stages where you could start up front, uh, you could start and start at the back. You can start left, you can start right, and it presented different ways. So in that aspect, um, I liked it a lot. Um, I really can't think of anything negative about the stages um, that I can think of. Uh, the, the no shoots, are the, the, the activators were tough. So that could be, some people could have had a problem with that. Um, there was no shoots in front of most all of them. Um, and that was, in my mind... Um, 
to um, kind of nip it in the bud before it even started. The um, if you put barrels, and you're going to have barrel hits. And was it a barrel hit? Um, was it a full diameter hit? Is it scorable? So the no shoots kind of solve that uh, in that aspect. But uh, I would have liked to have seen. You had I, you, I don't remember how many activators there were, but I know I think there was two swingers where you could hit them on on a dwell on one side, and they happened just both to be on the left side. The other ones were all uh, the other swingers were uh, over the top, and I don't think it was uh, there was not much a much of the targets left, so they were all fast. Um, there wasn't a lot of the target available, and they all had no shoots around them. So that would be something I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit more diversity on, but. It wasn't horrible. Um, the up down was pretty cool. It was real quick. Uh, the clamshell was your typical clamshell, which I really liked that stage uh, a lot. I thought that stage was cool. Uh, so yeah, I liked it. Uh, only gripe I have, and this is just no one's fault necessarily. <clears throat> definitely wasn't the match directors, and it was not to put it on the range, but the range only had so many safe tables. So there was only a safe table on every other bay. I think that at that match, at a match like that, there needs to be a safe table on every bay. Uh, but they didn't have any more. And the other option was to take away from stuff that was under the canopies that we were all using for our gear and to reload. So, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. Um, I brought that up to someone maybe next year, our next place, maybe they can have a few more card tables or something simple. So, But if that's your biggest gripe about a match... Match is pretty awesome. It was good. Weather was awesome. Our squad was okay. Uh, we had a couple guys on there I wasn't too happy with. Mainly a guy, yeah, from Texas, so, <laughs> tall, skinny guy, kind of annoying. Those Texas people, man, they're the worst. <laughs> Dude, isn't he annoying when you're trying to walk stages? God, you just gotta tell him to shut up. I didn't think he was annoying because I asked a lot of, I asked his opinion on a lot of stuff, so it didn't, it didn't bother me. Man, he didn't. Just, I didn't think he didn't just freely give you his opinion. I don't think so. If he did, I didn't. It didn't catch my. It didn't catch my attention. He did, however, say, "I better quit talking to you because I'll get yelled at again." <laughs> so, so. Oh, Jeff was about to yell at me again. I had to stop. Yeah, I had to stop. That's pretty talking. funny. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Throw. What do you? What do you think? What do you got? Uh, I, I mean, I would reiterate the uh, the safe table deal. Like, put a safe table in every bay. Like, it's just man, especially like. Like your first stage in the morning, like it'd be nice building, you know, your couple of shooters up. Uh, you want to go make a couple draws, just kind of get familiar. Um, if you got some sort of gun, something, then you got to go hunting for one somewhere on another bay. This seems pretty simple uh, to to make some safe tables. Uh, I mean, the materials in the safe tables that are there, you're talking 10 bucks. So another 60 bucks and a couple hours. Uh, to throw together a couple of safe tables with a couple two by fours and some OSB, uh, just isn't going to take that much time. So I would say that the other, the other thing that that is probably this is man, it actually maybe one of the first matches in a while. They had a shooting in a all day Saturday format and a half day Sunday to get in to get in twelve stops rather than going like half days on Saturday and a half day on Sunday, like you're seeing most most matches go to now. And we ended up shooting, what, nine of the 12 stops on Saturday, and we were done at, like, I don't know, 3.30, I think. And so then we came back Sunday for just three stages, and so it, it felt like, okay, maybe we should have just shot it all one day or or just gone to more of a, like a half, like I said, a half-day format. 
try to shoot seven and five, like you do at area three or something like that. Um, yeah. I would definitely like to see that, that format, uh, to where you can kind of, you're not spending all day just to shoot eight stages. And, and most matches have gone to that. So it's a little strange that they, they didn't do that here. Um, but I think that would maybe be a little bit more efficient way to go through stages. Uh, and it's nicer just to not spend all day on the range where you can spend a half day and, and still get just as many stages in. Uh, so I would say that, uh, stages were pretty good. I mean, the match, match went fine. Um, there was nothing, there was nothing super crazy. Like there was like, we had one uprange start and it was, you had an uprange start and you had a target like on the like 160 degree line. And so like from that standpoint, I would say, okay, maybe make the uprange start where you're turning to a target that's directly downrange and just take that 180 out of it. Cause like we had like a left-handed shooter on our squad and the, and the targets were on, were to the right. And so a left-handed shooter being forced into that, like they either got to turn way, way around or they're, you know, they're, they're really dangerous with the 180 there. Uh, and that's just, you know, that something like that could be, that could be fixed pretty easy. Just moving the uprange start to a different stage. If you feel the need to have an uprange start, there was an unloaded start. I hate unloaded starts. I don't know why we need to be tested on how fast we can put a magazine in a gun. That seems like a strange skill to test. Just in my opinion, some people may like those unloaded starts. I guess maybe they say it's part of the part of the sport, but to me, that's just. I think that's a dumb. I think that's a dumb skill. Uh, just to how fast can you load a gun? That doesn't seem real practical to me, but I guess some people carry that way. I don't know. I would argue that an unloaded start would make a lot more sense if it was like unloaded and you weren't moving to shoot. It's kind of completely pointless whenever you have to move into the shooting area like the one you're talking about. It really doesn't test anything. You're just having to load the gun while you get out of the chair and move instead of just moving and drawing your gun or picking it up like you normally would. Where if it was a, if it was a standing stage, at least it's actually testing a relevant skill. Well, see, I don't even think, but I don't, do you think it's relevant? Like to how fast you can put a mag in a gun? Like, how is that relevant? Well, I mean, that's part of the sport, bro. I mean, I I actually think so. We do load our guns occasionally. We have to do mag changes. Yeah. See, I don't like, I, I guess I just disagree. Like how fast you can, how fast you can load an empty gun. I don't like that seems completely irrelevant to me. I mean, you're drawn from a race holster and and you've got mag pouches sitting an inch an inch off your body. I mean, none of that's really relevant other than in the sport. I would I would say an easy way to describe it, it's as relevant as shooting strong hand only. Oh, I don't I would totally disagree. That's not even that's not even even in a close comparison there. <laughs> I don't. I don't see how that's like. That's not even comparable uh, to say that. I just, to me, I don't. I don't. I don't find the. I don't know. Unloaded starts to me are kind of gimmicky, and they just drive down the hit factor. Uh, I don't see why that's a. I don't see why that's a skill that needs to be tested or practiced personally. But I mean, that's me. I mean, that's an that's an interesting aspect, right? So maybe you have a stage that you want to drive down the hit factor because it kind of changes. It might maybe change the strategy of how people shoot the stage. Say, let's let's do something like let's make this one have a couple of long runs and do an unloaded start and try to really drive down the hit factor on this one so people maybe shoot it differently. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, I think there's other ways other than having an empty gun to start to 
to keep the hit factor low. Uh, you spread the targets out and have more shooting positions um, and, and just push the targets further away would be, I think, a better way to do that. I just... That's just that's just I mean I guess maybe I'm in the minority on that as far as trying to load a gun on the clock but that just seems like a it seems like a weird skill to me that I need to try to practice and be proficient at. That's just me. But see it's it's not really something you need to practice. You already practice loading the gun. So it's it's not some new special skill you need to practice on its own. No, well it is because already, because when I I don't I don't actually I I guess maybe my definition of practice is different than yours. I don't practice loading the gun as fast as I can. I just put a mag in and and rack it pretty deliberately. Um, usually, whenever I'm whenever I'm doing that, because that's not something I that's not something I personally want to rush. Uh, it's something I want to make sure the mag seated and then make sure I rack it fully and everything's good. Uh, so I don't actually ever practice trying to do that fast. Like and just a normal well, outside of practicing unloaded starts. That's not something I do try to do like super fast. What I'm saying is I think you missed what I'm meaning is that it's not, I don't practice like unloaded starts to shooting. What I'm saying is you already practice loading the gun. It's something you're already practicing doing. The only difference is that you're getting your mag off the table or you're racking the slide. I mean, it's something you're already doing. It's just, it's another thing to, to distract you a little bit from just, Raw shooting. It's another skill, essentially. Yeah. I another just, thing to do. I don't feel that it's a skill that needs to be tested. So that's just me. Um, I guess if other listeners agree or disagree, they can chime in and say they agree or disagree. I think, uh, go I think comment a- on the Facebook page. Tell Jeremy yeah. how stupid he is, please. Yeah, I mean, so my thing about it is, is, is I actually have to fight the urge to not rush that process. And in fact, on that stage, when I racked the slide, I consciously was consciously, however you say it was aware that if you got one in the chamber, you barely got it back, pulled the slide back far enough on that one, bro. And then, so when I went, when I, when I, you know, pushed out and aimed at that target, I was pretty sure that it was going to go bang, but I was uh, about 10% thinking (laughs) you might get a click because you didn't, because you tried to rush this. And that adds another aspect to it because when you start rushing stuff and then you screw stuff up, you got to just keep it, dial it right back and keep it right back and con- get it back in control, which is 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 a skill in itself uh, uh, that sets a lot of people apart. I mean, I, I just don't see how it can't be part of it. I'm not saying we got to do it. And uh, to me, anything that's repeated every single time in a match, whether it be in, start anywhere inside the box, uh, hands that side, loaded, that gets old, so every once in a while, I, I may be the only one that thinks this, it's not the worst idea to have a different start position, and I think that's just what that was. And I think the big thing is, too, you look at it, it was it was one out of, what, 13 stages total? So it's it's something different on one stage. It's, yeah. The big problem is whenever you start seeing something like that on three or four stages in a match, which it, then it just becomes stupid. I don't think it's stupid. I don't think it's stupid at all. If, it, if it's on three or four stages, it's stupid. One. I mean, stage, out of thirteen cool. stages, three state, three unloaded starts is stupid. What, yes. what, what if you did one that was unloaded, holstered? One's unloaded on a table, and one is loaded but unchambered and holstered. You don't see. You don't ever see those starts. I think Chad, the only, Chad does those sometimes at Tulsa. Yeah, I've only ever seen Youth do them whenever he was running Lamar. 
and uh, you'll see Ipsic matches do that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, Ipsic matches, Ipsic yes. Common. I mean, this yeah. is supposed to be practical shooting, right? And practical shooting, sometimes your gun's not loaded, and you need to load the gun and then shoot it. That could happen. So, yes, I mean, if we're, we're going to talk about prone shooting not being stupid, then then unloaded starts, in my mind, is not stupid. I, again, it's just my opinion. <laughs> you carry an unloaded gun? That's an argument, but that's not what I'm. That a lot wasn't of, what I'm a saying. A lot of people do, though. A lot of people do. I was more along, along the lines. A lot of people have an unloaded gun in their house that they have to run and load if they ever needed to use it. Yeah. So that's actually in a, more more than you. I mean, you once you think about it, you'd probably agree that that's actually pretty common for people in America to have an unloaded gun in their house. That don't mean they ain't stupid for it. That don't mean they ain't stupid, but that that's what they do. <laughs> okay, let's get off of this. Let's move, move on. on. Let's move on. Let's talk about match performance because I don't think any of y'all were happy with your match performance. So I want to hear about it. <laughs> Jeremy, you go first. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> you had to pick on me first. Um, <laughs> like so. So leaving area four. Like I. Like just being completely honest. The last thing I wanted to do was come on a podcast and talk about my shooting at area four. Um, Cause for me, it's just more of the same. Uh, I think I was talking to Corey Connor after the match. I think it was after the match or maybe it was, bef- maybe it was between, between this, the days or something. I've probably shot. I don't think I've hit a hundred major matches yet, but I'm probably in like the 80, 75 to 80 major matches that I've shot in my career. And I would probably say I've probably been disappointed with maybe all but one of those, like as far as my shooting. Um, And so like in all fairness, like I'm kind of just sick of being disappointed in how poorly I shoot at matches. And so that's like, that's a, that's a struggle for me. Uh, You know, it's, it's the struggle because like, I'm not, I'm not mad that I don't necessarily do well at a match it's that i can't leverage my skills at a match or that i don't leverage my skills at a match uh and my match performance i don't feel is typically representative of what my normal skills would be and so like that's i don't know that's tough you know i just had issues here at this match that just like it just ended up being a a a really poor performance and so then how do i turn that around and get to where i can shoot well at nationals in what is that i don't know four weeks away something like that three and a half yeah um yeah so i don't know i shot poorly what uh what was it that went poorly <laughs> please ex- expand on your pain <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> is what jeff's wanting from you yeah, yeah. let me twist the knife a little yeah, bit yeah thanks jeff um just give us an example you don't have to you don't have to detail it just give us an example so like so i have a weird thing um that i don't i don't know if i've seen another shooter struggle with this but sometimes i have like i go to to pull the trigger and like the gun just doesn't go off. i just don't pull the trigger hard enough and the gun just doesn't go off it's not really trigger freeze because it's not like it's oftentimes it's not my second shot oftentimes like i just go to a target and i mentally think okay pr- pull the trigger and then it just doesn't go off. So then I just sit there and then eventually I just yank the trigger real hard. And then the muzzle dips and it goes to crap. And then you just lost like at least a half second uh, on every time. And, and that that crept in and I started doing quite a bit of that towards the second half of the first day and all of the all of the second day. Uh, 
then like that just kills i mean that like that was just kind of everything else kind of snowballed from there um but so i don't know and part of that's a for me like in all honesty like that's a trust issue like trusting that I don't know, trusting that I can pull the trigger like I normally do in practice. I don't have to try and slam through it, and then I'm using the trigger differently in matches than I do in in practice and stuff. Um, yeah. But so I don't know. It's for me. It's it, the big challenge is that I know that I need to believe. Like, if I'm going to shoot well at matches, I have to believe that I'm a good shooter. I mean, there are people that like, like they can tell me that I'm, I'm good. Like there are people that, Hey, you're like, you're really good. Like you've got a lot of skills. The truth is deep down inside. I don't know if I actually believe that. Like, I don't know that I truly believe that I'm good. And it's almost like I have to prove to myself that I'm good before I'll believe it. And like, for me, proving it means like doing really, really well at like a nationals match. Um, the problem is I don't know that you will ever do well at a nationals match until you believe it. So it's like a chicken or an egg thing. Uh, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of tough. Um, and so that's, that's my struggle. Uh, that's, that's where I'm at with my shooting. I don't think it's a skills thing. I don't see too many people beating me that I'm just like, Hey, they're doing stuff. I just can't do. I don't see that real often, but at the same time, I don't necessarily have that confidence uh, whenever I get the make ready command. Um, so figuring out how to, how to have that confidence is, is tough. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing, Jeremy. Yeah. Do I like, do we get, what, what happens when you go to a shrink? Do they give you like chocolate or something after you're done? Like, do you get ice cream? Like, I feel like <laughs> I should get some ice cream or something. Well, you don't get, you don't get sprinkles cause sprinkles are for winners. <laughs> that's, true. that's true i definitely don't deserve sprinkles i don't think i want sprinkles though that seems a little weird you can go take a shot of whiskey now okay that's that's great <laughs> all right who's next i'll go next so overall i was i was pretty happy with my shooting part of the match as in you know when i'm pulling the trigger and aiming at the targets um you know, didn't have an excessive amount of makeups or anything. I had uh, three shots total that I essentially pushed out of the target that would have caused mics. One of them I made up. Uh, the other two I did not. But the shooting part I was pretty happy with. Where I struggled on the weekend is my gun handling just was not very good. I had a lot of missed draws where I didn't either... I didn't get a good grip on the gun with my strong hand or two or three stages on the first draw. Like, my weak hand was just not right. And then I, I struggled to load the gun effectively, which when I say struggle, I mean, I probably had four or five missed loads. Uh, one of them was really bad. The others were just not great. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're you know, loading two, three, or four times on a stage, like, if you're not loading confidently and fast, it, it adds up a lot. So that's that's the stuff I was unhappy with in my shooting. The actual shooting stuff, I was, I was not too upset with. I felt like I was shooting fairly aggressively, and I shot reasonable points. Yeah. So why do you think, like, has your gun handling been an issue? 
not no it really hasn't um i didn't dry fire a lot the week before uh so that could have been a little bit of it but i mean probably the missed grips is probably as much of anything as getting a rush and then just rushing and not getting your weekend in the correct spot i mean you're right. you know you draw the gun enough you're you're gonna miss your grip occasionally but to to have the weekend to miss you know, I think there was probably two or three times where the weekend missed the gun. It wasn't in the correct spot. You could, it wasn't terrible, but you could definitely feel it wasn't right. It slowed you down a little bit. I think that's probably just a, a side effect of rushing to get the gun out and ready. And it, it ends up costing you more than you'd ever saved. Yeah. So you're going to fix it? I am. I'll be working on dry fire. I shot my local indoor match tonight. All my draws were good. Uh, all my reloads were good, so... To start, yeah, it was just it might have just been one of those, one of those weekends, you know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sometimes you just you'll have that day or those two days or that match for some reason. You're like, why is this happening? And you're like, is my grip a problem now? Is that something that I need to go yeah. back to the step one? And then it, it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. The next match. Yeah, I've definitely had had stuff like that. It's usually like a dry fire session or something mm-hmm. uh, for me. It's usually not a match specifically. It'd be like a dry fire. I go into dry fire and it's like I can't cannot hit a draw or a reload. It's just not happening. Yeah. And, well, uh, maybe it's just yeah. one of those things where a bad day struck at the wrong time. But yeah, I re- I really think probably as much as anything is just that I didn't put any dry fire in that week really, so that probably didn't help it. Yeah, probably didn't help. All right, J Dub. Um, my goal for this match was to go out there and shoot, um, relatively as best as I could, um, skill wise at my, you know, to my abilities. So I don't know that I accomplished that goal. Um, I made quite a few mistakes. Um, I made one mistake four times. Um, so while that's a bad thing, it's also, it's one, it's good thing. It's only one mistake. Um, so I can correct that, and I know why I did it. I essentially tagged a no-shoot four times, uh, which is not like me. Um, Jeff, you've never seen me shoot four no-shoots in a match. Uh, no. I mean, back in the day, I probably would have, but <clears throat> I'm, I normally give those targets a little bit more, uh, you'll just, we'll just say respect, uh, but on this one, on this match, uh, you guys all saw me shoot. I mean, if you were watching, you saw me shoot. But um, I was just pushing too hard on those targets, meaning I was usually trying to move while shooting that target and was splitting a little hard on it. And um, just each time, just barely, I mean, just one of them was like an inch down into the no shoot, and the other ones were all on the, the scoring ring um, or just under the ring to where I, ha- I, would, I did have to make up a couple of them. Uh, I did have one uncalled mic on one of them. One was a mic no shoot, the first one of the match that I'd, happened for me at least. Um, but the other ones, I was called. I called them and then made them up. Um, I didn't practice for about two and a half weeks, and I, 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 at first I was like, well, you know, my skills where it's at. Two and a half weeks off's not gonna uh, make me any less of a shooter. Uh, and and I don't I still think that, but normally I would have been out there kind of practicing at match pace, and I just I wasn't able to do that. So I think that um, I'm going to blame it on that, 
and 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 the fact that I was railing a little hard and just wasn't probably looking to the right spot. I was probably breaking the shot early because I think every time it well no it wasn't some of them was the second shot on that target. Anyways, so that happened, and then of course you know you have a couple of stages where you may miss a spot or you're uh, maybe a little too cautious and the time runs a little bit too long on you. And I had one stage where I was a little late on getting my reload done. That's all normal stuff. I still would not like it to happen. Um, if I would not have had those no shoots, you can go back and play, you know, if sick. Um, and, and I'll do that for a second. If I would have, if you take all those penalties out, except for the one on the second day, which was the, uh, the unloaded table start, the U shaped, I kind of, I'm like, Nope, need to leave that one in. That one was a little bit more of a different issue. Cause that was the only one I had on an activator. The other ones were all static targets that I was hitting no shoots on. So I'm leaving that one in because that was just me trying to track the swinger down instead of straight across like Cody and I were talking about. And, um, and I just got a little too aggressive on it, trying to get two on one pass. And so I, I, I hit that no shoot and I realized it. So I was like, that's going to be a mic. Uh, so I had to wait for another pass to get another one on the paper. So I didn't have a mic. So if you take those four, uh, the three no shoots out and the mic, and you know, I take this that each stage, you take that penalty out and then you add, well, it would have taken me maybe a little longer to be a little bit more controlled. So you add a quarter of a second to that stage time. Doing all that still would not have bumped me up in the in the uh, the order, uh, but it would have had me a higher percentage, and that was what would have been more important to me. Because if I would have shot those stages without those penalties, I still would have been third, and I would have been, but I would have been higher to Wansick, who won the match, and that would have been a, a successful match for me. So. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty upset. I mean, I'm not pretty upset. I'm just disappointed that I did that mistake. So, um, other than that, fairly kind of okay with it. You know, I probably shot, I mean, I shot 90% of the points. Just trying to think, you know, I was pretty aggressive. Um, but I don't know that I was, there was a couple targets where I was probably a little too, uh, raised where I'm on one stage where I know I was a little too aggressive trying to get off the target and I hit the barrel and went to the target, realized mm-hmm. it. Everybody heard it because it was spinning around in the barrel. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, and that that actually saved my bacon because I went back to that target and made it up uh, before I was out of that position. So, um, you know, there was a little bit of a a little bit of nerves, excitement in this match more than normal. I was just excited. I wasn't uh, worried about losing or anything like that. But just I was pretty excited. So there were several stages where I was I was pretty amped and. Um, so, but it was a good time, but uh, I would have liked to shot better. And there's been a, it's like Jeremy said, is there any other time, is there any match when you're happy? It, it's a weird way to say it. Happy might not be the right word. I mean, you might be happy with the outcome as far as if you won or if you got third place. Um, and, you know, but you always kind of think about the stuff you could have done better. So. Yeah. Yeah. And having shot with you, more than I've shot with these other guys, I definitely think uh, you you didn't shoot the match as as well as you have been shooting. Yeah, so, I can say that for sure. I mean, two and a half weeks without touching a gun is—I mean, that's like I couldn't I couldn't do that and come out and shoot any sort of respectable score versus what I would normally shoot with practice. Like that's just man, that's a long time off the gun. Some people can do that. Some people can go. Lot, long, long times between shooting a gun and still do it well. That's definitely not something that's 
that I could do. And I'm not trying to use that as an excuse. Um, Wancic still would have probably won the match. I mean, maybe if, if I'd have had the match in my life, but you can't play that game. So uh, Wancic shot the match. I think he shot it really, really well. I mean, he just murdered the alphas and shot it fast. I mean, he was up there with me and the uh, we me me him and that Austin. Uh, we were all very close on time, and he had I think thirty more alphas than I did. And normally, I I have as many alphas as anybody. Um, so normally, I shoot him at ninety one to ninety two percent, and um, he was at ninety three. So, you definitely don't want to take away from anything on his win because that's well earned, well deserved. Um, but I, I it's something I'm going to have to deal with because it's. It's an issue that I'm I'm having. I'm going to. Uh, it's, I mean, it's an issue. I, I'm having shoulder issues, so it's it's something I'm gonna have to deal with and, and get good at shooting matches. Maybe with not much practice. Well, it's not surprising at your age that you're having shoulder issues. <laughs> it's not surprising. So, <laughs> can I talk about that swinger that you that you were referencing a little bit? Yeah. So, so the swinger to try and paint a picture for. For the audio listeners, the swinger was an over-the-top swinger, so it didn't present itself on the sides. It was basically only over the top. Um, it was fast. They were the these all the swingers this match were fast, which actually I prefer the faster swingers. Um, and you had a no-shoot barrier in front of it uh, to keep you from doing it. What's what I find interesting is that people were trying to track that swinger uh, because it wasn't basically the when the swinger was was straight up vertical it was probably maybe the bottom of the a zone was over the no shoot was that is that about right is that how much it was showing was it even that much no i don't think it was how, that much how much no you didn't okay have the whole so then you probably had two you thirds had, of the a zone maybe half the a zone no no you had less than half oh the i think you had I at least you might have had half. I would, at least you, a you might have had at least half you might have it was had a half maybe a third. so maybe anyway so yeah. A lot of people in that situation, they try to track the swinger. Um, if if you will set that up in practice with a similar scenario, if you'll look right in the dead center when that swinger is making its arc, the smallest distance that it's moving is in the dead middle of it. And basically, once that swinger is showing up, as long as you can see the swinger right in the middle of its arc, the A zone is going to be there. And so if you try to track it across then you're chasing an A zone way across it. Whereas if you if you will sit right in the middle, um, hitting, knocking out the A zone is not that difficult because the A zone at that point is not moving as far as like up at the shoulders of the target. Um, mm-hmm. And so that like that's a that's a swinger like scenario where I see that I'm like I'm happy to see that because that swinger then gets quite a bit easy because then I can just I can just post up right where I know the middle of the target's gonna be. And I and you can whack A's pretty darn consistently uh, doing that. Um, now, if you're trying to get two in one pass, th- that's a different, uh, maybe a little bit different animal. That's a different. Story. But this swinger was fast. Those swingers at this match were fast enough, especially being over the top. For me personally, it was I just looked at it as like there's no point in trying to get two in one pass. I mean, it's the right. the risk reward is just not there because um, you're you're not going to be able to call with a Especially with an iron-sided handgun, maybe with a dot handgun, maybe an open gun, uh, maybe you can call two get hits. But an iron-sided handgun, you're going to end up probably taking two passes anyway. So take the risk out of it for me. But anyway, that's that's a that's a tip I, on I'll it. Say, a swinger that's over the top like that, where the A zone basically kind of floats over the middle. Just post up in the middle and whack the A zone. So I'll I'll say that I did that on all the other ones. 
All the other over-the-top ones, I did not try to track them. I Essentially, what you're saying mm-hmm. is ambushed him. Um, and I, for some reason, set over a little bit, and I said, well, I'm going to ambush it, but I'm going to kind of follow through is what I was kind of the way I was thinking, which would kind of help me maybe. Um, but then, but but you've got a good point. The So what Jeremy's talking about is, and if you don't understand it, and I'm going to try to explain this as best I can, but when you think of a swinger that that, that arcs, and let's just say you can see all of it, well, the, the least amount of movement of the actual target is in the dead center and yeah. lower down, the lowest point, right? So the higher you go up and the wider you go out on the target, like on the left sides, that part of that target is traveling more. So the A zone on a swinging target, it, it, it's, that it's not moving as far or as fast as the other parts like the head box would be. Now you're like, well, how does that make sense? Because it's one target, it's attached to sticks, which is attached to the to the swinging stand. So it all has to be moving. That thing's only moving at one speed. Yes, but the top part of the target's covering more distance in that arc. So um, it, 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 it's harder to shoot at that. Where what Jeremy's saying is that A box is essentially staying on its, like it's almost like there's a hole punched where the A is. Think of it this way. The hole's punched where the A is. And that thing can be rotating, but it's not really moving. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's not quite the case, but that's an oversimplification of it. But um, just I love ex- the hand motions for our yeah, audio that nobody listeners. else can see, but the podcast guys can see. <laughs> it's it. very illuminating. Uh, it's all in the hips, and anyways. But uh, so that the, yeah, and I just thought I would. I was like, well, I'm gonna ambush it, but I'm gonna follow through like a shotgun skeet shooter, and I don't know why I did that on that one target. And and I ended up. Instead of because I was thinking, well, don't go down in the arc. Don't match the arc of the swinger. Just go straight across like you're painting a paintbrush, essentially like you're shooting a shotgun. If you ever have done that and shot skeet, just just paint through, follow through. And um, I ended up dipping down and either with my hand because I had too much tension trying to rush the shot, uh, which is probably some of it. And maybe I actually just instinctively, naturally and couldn't help it. And it automatically just I went down with my arms to aim kind of to follow it. Um I should have just tried to ambush it, and um, I think I also tried to pop two on the first one. So, it, it for some reason I just yeah made a mistake. So, so Jeff, how about mm. your match? Hold on, one comment on the swinger. Yeah, the the easy way to say that is the target is moving the least, the closest to the pivot point. So yeah, shoot it Thank as you. close to the pivot point as you can. Um, yeah, my match. Let's talk about it. Jeff, how's your match? Yeah. <laughs> He's tired of talking about that swinger. <laughs> well, I got two alpha on that swinger. Killed it. Um, my match was awesome. Uh, but I didn't really have high expectations, so that's probably why it was awesome. So I finished fourth in production, uh, but it was behind... Uh, First unclassified. Yeah, first unclassified, so there's that. I didn't get a sweet coin this time, though. Did you get a plaque? No, not for that. Yeah, I, I won. also <laughs> won the Area area 4 production champ, so I did get that. But I finished fourth in production behind uh, Jacob, Nils, and Sal. And uh, so I was pretty stoked about it. Um, yeah. Dude, I could I could not be happier with with how that match went. I mean, obviously, I think I can do better than that. I always feel that way at the end of a match. It's like, man, you know, sometimes you feel good about it. Sometimes 
feel bad, but you always feel like you can do better, pretty much. But, I mean, on that day, that's what I could do. So, yeah, I, I really know what to say about the, the performance. That, uh, the gun shot great. I shot a Walther PPQ. Had four mag pouches, five mags. Uh, I was able to put mags in the gun fairly consistently, you know, fumble them here and there. But all things considered, I mean, this gun's pretty hard to load, I think. Um, I don't, it's not an easy gun to put mags in, in my opinion. Uh, so I was pretty happy with, with how all that went. So the transition from single stack major to production minor, how did you approach that? Like, what did you, like, were there anything, like, did you notice anything about switching to it, to the minor? What, like, what was, what was that like? I mean, I, I'm definitely sloppy at shooting alphas. I mean, I shot less alphas than anyone around me <laughs> that, that finished in the match. I think the next guy that shot uh, less alphas with me was like 10th place or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't shoot many alphas, but I kind of expected that. I've been shooting major for three years. Uh, just So would you attribute that more to just you're used to shooting major or because the gun's a little bit maybe harder to shoot than a than the world's greatest handgun being a 1911. Dude, I just really attribute it to I'm just used to going the speed of shooting major. So I shot the match three seconds slower than Nils, which to me is insane. I, I was not expecting to shoot that fast. And I don't know if he had gun issues or maybe he had a good match. I don't know. Uh, but I was not expecting to run the match that quickly. Uh, especially, yeah, with the, with the gun and not being used to it. Um, yeah, I don't even remember where I was going with that, honestly. Well, well good. I'll interrupt. Uh, your your percentage wasn't that bad. I mean, it was it was eighty nine percent, and uh, Lutman was ninety percent, and then uh, there was a guy, John Batista. He was eighty eight percent, so in eighth place. So there wasn't very many. It wasn't that like everybody was at ninety five percent. I mean, the top three guys were at ninety four, ninety five percent, but. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. When we're done, I have a uh, theory about that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just super happy with it, man. It, it, it went as well as I was hoping, and I was hoping to finish fourth, and I finished fourth. And, you know, last last couple matches, I, I beat I beat Jared and, and Jeremy, and that was, that was the goal, <laughs> so that I could rub it in their faces after they talked a bunch of shit. So... Boomer Here we starts. are. He's going to put a dot on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the transition wasn't, was pretty easy for you? Um, yeah. So that was something that Jason and I talked about too. Uh, so Jason's always been in the camp of, you can get used to any gun. Uh, it doesn't really matter. And I've pretty much been in the camp of, uh, certain guns fit certain people and, uh, more along those lines. And like this gun doesn't, I don't feel like it fits me especially well. I mean, I pinch, I pinch my hand trying to get mags in it because it hangs off the back. Uh, but in two weeks I was, I was able to get into comfortable enough with it to lay down the performance that I did at area four. So that, that definitely puts me closer to the camp of, of Jason that, uh, you know, if the gun works, 
that you can, you can train into it and you can perform well. Okay, real quick. So that that um, that I was sitting there thinking about something. So this was this was a hoser match. Would y'all agree? It was borderline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared, Jared, you're thinking. What do you think? No, it was it it was very open. I mean, it wasn't like I said earlier. It was it left you plenty of room to hang yourself, but the mm-hmm. bulk of the targets were not not very hard shooting. They were pretty quick, pretty close. Okay. Um based on based on like the hit factors, I would say it was it was pretty close to a hoser match. Okay, pretty close. We'll, we'll use that cuz it wasn't like definitely wasn't set up to be like super hoser, but the hit factors were pretty high. I mean, we were having 10, 11 hit factors on a lot of stages, and nine was fairly common, I think, um, from memory. I, I'm not going to go back through and look. Okay, so where you look at Hetherington, who won production, him, Nils, and uh, Sal, they all were uh, – Sal was 94%. They all shot 94 95% um, and shot faster uh, than you, Jeff. Um, you were close to Nils. So then in carry optics, um, I was 90% of the points – uh, Austin was 91, and then uh, Wansik was 93. We were all very close on speed. Um, and um, my whole point to this was is that's the next step, right? Uh, these guys are shooting just as fast, if not faster, but yet are also picking up more points. So, um, and it's not costing them any time. That's definitely something I, I realized after the match that I've thought about. I've tr- tried to train that it's not usually any slower to actually drive the A. Um, hmm. You want to just swing over and start pop- popping on the brown. But if you actually just make sure your eyes snap to the specific spot and the gun does the thing it's supposed to do, which is follow, and then it's you're going to get better points. So I definitely think I left some points on the table from just not being in the groove, not being in the right mindset, whatever you want to call it, uh, not programming it uh, probably actually more that I think about it. It may not have just been in my walkthrough to really kind of snap to the spot in the middle of the A. But um, I think this, while was close to being hosiery, um, th- these guys were still maximum. They weren't leaving points around. These guys weren't especially on the close targets. I mean, they just, they weren't, they weren't giving up any points. And I think, uh, Jeff, you, you know, you're talking about you're at 80, 89% or 88%, whatever it was. I said a minute ago, but, uh, and I was at 90, this is before penalties. So you just, that's the thing. You just still have to drive the points. Yeah. And that's where they got, that's where we all got beat. I mean, for the most part was points, but at least me and you, Jeff, at least me and you. I like to think of it this way. You can, you can go a long ways, either shooting good points or being fast. But at some point in time, you have to have both. The top yep. guys are shooting good points and they're doing it fast. Um, if you're if you're already, you know, if you're just shooting comfortable and you're shooting 93 94% of the points, well, clearly you've got to find a way to pick up the speed. And you're probably going to suffer a little bit on points picking up the speed. I mean, you're, you're going to get faster while staying just as accurate you're gonna have to push the speed and your points are gonna follow i mean if you think back to your targets i know for me were several places where i dropped charlie's it was purely looking at the wrong spot on the target so i had on one stage i had like 10 charlie's and eight of them were close charlie's but it was like on an ipsic target looking a little bit higher on the target and slightly left and shooting two charlies that are an inch apart but they're an inch from the a line well still two charlies same if they were on both sides of the a zone um 
it, it is being disciplined, though, to shoot, to look to a specific spot, put the gun there, and shoot two alphas. Yep. Yeah, the only the only caveat that I would add to it is you gotta you gotta be somewhat careful in looking at what is costing you time. Are you slower just because you're shooting slower, or are you shooting yourself into being slower? Meaning a bunch of makeups on steel. If you're a limited cap division, like you're you're running yourself dry, and so then you're having to do a standing reload, or you're having to make up a bunch of shots. Um, at that point, then you may just be you may be like slowing down may actually may actually end up in having a faster time uh, because you're because you're shooting yourself you're shooting yourself into catastrophes basically because um, mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's what you can like if you want to if you want to see your your stage times and stuff go way up and you're you're kind of a middle of the pack type shooter stop start avoiding those catastrophes on stages um, make sure your equipment runs right like. Like if you had a four second malfunction, well, that's crap. That's a that's a massive amount of time. Um, if you have running dry on steel or something like that, uh, you know, avoiding catastrophes like that can can really end up being pretty massively important in your overall time for a match. Um, yeah. I think like at single stack nationals, that was one reason why I had one of the fastest times because I never I didn't shoot myself into a standing load one time at single stack nationals. Which yep. that match was easy to do because it was tons of eight round positions with steel. Everybody shooting major, like there was, it was easy to shoot yourself into a standing load. Um, and I, I happened to, I was able to avoid that at that match. And so I end up okay. I, I probably picked up as a whole for not necessarily any one stage was super great, but as a whole for the match, it helped my time quite a bit. Um, yeah. But I, I am on board with Jason that if if you're shooting the same time as Swanchik is and he's just getting more A's. Well, then slowing down isn't an option for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Like if you were 10 seconds faster than him and he just got way, he beat you because he had better points. Okay. Then yeah, maybe you do need to put a little more focus on that. But if he's the exact same time and, and more accurate, then you just got to get more accurate. You can't slow down. So I'm going to speculate here. Um, I talked to Wanzik after the match. Wanzik says he listens to our podcast, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to speculate here. Wanzik, if you're listening, I'd love to know if I'm right on this, if what you think. So Wansick had some gear issues day one. And he told me he basically he, he just felt, and I hope I'm not putting anything out there that he don't want me to. Um, but he, it was his draw. I mean, it kind of, when you have gear issue and maybe it, it moves your gun a little off. Um, he said he really just focused on getting alphas because he felt his grip was a, was a initial grip every time was a little off, at least on the first day. So he was really driving alphas is what he kind of basically, he was focusing on points. And when he said that, I was like, that's really going to probably pay, pay out pretty well for him because um, what happens is, is his goal is just to now be an alpha machine and he doesn't do any, he's not doing anything slower. He's just actually being just a little bit more controlled, maybe, maybe a little more disciplined. And he's really just, probably anything just focusing on the spot more uh i'm assuming a lot because i don't know exactly how he shoots and what his process is and his and his mindset but that's i'm assuming that from how i assess things so uh, assuming he's similar which he may not be but um so i i bet he was not any slower but he got better hits 
and basically it's making that's making my point in my mind. Um, he said he was focusing on points, really trying to drive the points, and he probably didn't do really anything slower. Because a lot of times yeah. if you sit there and really just try to focus on like, hey, I'm going to run this drill and I'm going to run it. I'm just going to run it with my hair on fire. You know, I'm going to run it fast. You run the drill. Then you run the drill a couple times like that. And you, 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 you basically get a baseline for your time for that drill, you know, a good range, uh, you know, within a, a, a tenth of a second. Then you're just like, I, I'm really going to drop. But you notice your hits are not great. They're not horrible, but they're you're getting, a, you know, half Charlies or in, in, or whatever and more Charlies than you want. And you say, well, now I'm just really going to try to get those A's. I'm going to try to get mostly A's. I'm going to try to cut the, cha- the Charlie count in half on these drills. And um, so you really just focus on on that spot, making sure the gun's there before it goes off. And it, it, it's not really any more time. It, you get to a level where you can do that. Um, and it's not any more time. Now that doesn't mean that sometimes it won't actually show up as a little bit more time on the clock, but relatively speaking or generally speaking, um, it's not really any more time. And yet it's a better outcome because those points out outweigh the, the the time that you would have saved. And, I, and I'm thinking that's I'm think I'm thinking that's what happened with Wansick. I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I mean for me it's it's a really fine line between rushing and being aggressive. Yes. Uh, like that, like that's, that's a really tough for me. That's a, like, like they're, they're similar mentalities and the the times will be extremely similar. It's just one mm-hmm. will have really good hits and one will be really sloppy. Yep. Uh, and, and that's a, like, that's kind of a tough, that's, it's tough to kind of, you know, I end up bouncing back and forth between them. Um, not on purpose. It just, just happens. Um, so if you can if you can be aggressive and not feel like you're rushing, then you're probably going to be in a pretty good spot. Mm. Anyways, and I may be wrong about Wansix, uh how he shoot. He may just always be a monster and shoot that many alphas. So he's, I mean, he's usually I mean, he's pretty accurate. Really, really good. He moves so. very efficiently. Uh, so when you're as when efficient I watch as he Wansick, is, that helps. He, I I feel like Wansik moves as well as anybody. It does, it's not that like he's like uh, JJ or Shane where he's like really super quick with the feet, but he, it's so clean in my mind, clean, and he is fast, and it just looks like it's so efficient and it saves so much time. Yeah, I'm very jealous of Wanzik's movement, but he's also like six foot something, and I'm like five foot two. So, anyways, all right. Yeah, he's Next very topic. tall for a Korean chap. Yeah. I do have two <laughs> things I wanted to note about the the match that I shot. So one thing is I shot some risky stage plans, uh, but sort of to play to my strengths. Um, I shot to 11 rounds several times in this match. And normally, like, you don't want to do that a whole lot because it it is a bit risky. Um, But I did it a lot to eliminate reloads. And that was because I knew I did not reload this gun especially well. So... To me, but I do know that I shoot this gun really well. Uh, it's very accurate. I can usually hit what I want to hit if I take the appropriate amount of time. Um, so I played to my strengths that way in this match. In that any any time I could, I eliminated reloads by going to eleven. Um, the other thing was uh, towards the middle of this match, I kind of jumped back and forth in strategies because I was dropping a lot of Charlies. Uh, I think 
I, on one stage, I had like eight Charlies and a Delta or two. And another stage, I had like nine Charlies. And so I was like, man, I got to I gotta reel it in and try to shoot more. So I shot like the next stage or two, uh, like slower, basically, and tried to take better sight pictures and just take longer. And the results of that stage were the exact same. I didn't shoot any more alphas. I shot just as many Charlies. So then I was like, all right, well, screw that. Let's let's go back to shooting fast and just shoot all the Charlies. So I did that. So in the middle of this match, I was kind of fighting myself, trying to figure out the pace to shoot. Because if I was shooting single stack, like uh, shooting major, like I wouldn't have been happy with nine Charlies. But that wouldn't have made me think I need to change something. That would have just been, let's just do that again next stage and it'll be better. That like that was just a fluke. But uh, shooting minor, shooting production, I was like, you cannot do this. Like, you can't shoot that many charities in production. So it kind of had me freaking out and I was trying to change plans. Uh, and that was like mid-match. Uh, but after I, I tried to slow down and shoot more, more alphas, I was like, no, didn't work. Let's go back to shooting fast and we'll just absorb them. Uh, so, uh, and then I just finished up shooting the match that same way. I mean, the hits, the hits weren't all that way. Uh, you know, the more I shot the gun, the better I got at it, but, uh, you know, shooting six, six to eight or nine Charlies was not uncommon at this match for me. Yeah, that's it. I just want to touch on those two things. So Jeff's season is wrapped up. He is literally... Has zero primers, I think, left in his house. Yep. Uh, so he's in a conundrum as what is Jeff going to do going forward? So you finish the year shooting production, kind of got a small taste for that. Any idea what you're thinking of doing for next year? Um, so I'm probably going to stick to production at least for next year. Um, I was going to switch to production back in 20. 20- at the beginning of 2018, I was going to go shoot production, and that's when the Firearm Solutions guy offered to build me a gun, Keith. And uh, so he built me a gun, and I shot that gun until it broke this year. Uh, so I'm going to go shoot production now, because that's what I was going to do. And uh, I, I like production. I like the guns. I like that they're cheaper. I like that the ammo's cheaper. I like that there's always heat to shoot against at majors. Uh so I'm going to shoot production. I'm not especially sure what gun yet, but it's probably going to be the SIG or the Canic. I'm still trying to decide. There's there's things I kind of don't like about both, but I'll probably borrow borrow some and shoot them a bunch and if I can find any primers. But yeah, that's where we're at. Probably going to shoot production next year. I don't approve of this. I know you don't. But, but I, I my do budget my this. budget approves. You'd be able to shoot a well, lot more. I mean you would thirty percent more. Yeah. You'd think Jeremy would just build you a gun and send it your way. That's what you would think. As long as I'm I'm poor too, so I gotta sell those guns. You're, you're right. He would need a pair of guns. Yeah, he yeah, needs a pair I, of I guns. I would need a pair. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the plan. I got I got some good uh, guns off prize tables, so I got some certificates to to sell, 
and uh, I should be able to get whatever production guns I want. Uh, yeah, so we're in a good spot as far as getting guns, and then hopefully I'll still be able to upgrade my press next year. We'll see. Yeah, that needs to happen too. Guns are more important. I mean, you gotta have guns to shoot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely need to upgrade the 550. Yeah. Runs like a champ. Except for the whole seating primers consistently thing. It was one primer. <laughs> hey, um, so would you guys, I want to plug Area 4. Uh, I think it's a good match. Um, you know, I'm personally friends with Chad. and So I know Chad wants to make this match a spectacle. I mean, not a spectacle, but he wants to make it an event. Um, so just if you're listening and you're on the fence about shooting it, um, come out and shoot it. It's going to be a good match. Um, don't know where it's going to be next year. Uh, I, I personally hope it's in Tulsa, uh, but don't know where yet. Uh, I don't know if Chad knows, but, um, that'd be cool. Uh, it's close for me, yeah. but anyways, it's a good match. It's going to run well prize table. We didn't talk about that. There was like 20 freaking guns on there. Tons of powder, um, several of the Arctic coolers. I mean, a lot of Arctic coolers. So yeah. if you like prize tables, this is about as good as I've ever seen one. Um, they oh, gave yeah. away some pretty cool guns. I mean, they it was pretty sweet. I mean, there was random five or six random drawing. Um, pri- Jeff Jeff won one, and so he didn't he didn't walk the table and take one uh, in order of finish. But um, it, it's a good match. It's going to be ran well. It's there's no reason not to come to it. So Chad Chad is a very good match director. You can you can rule you can rely on a match that he's running being a good match. Yeah, I agree. So it'd be cool, man, if this match had, you know, if it was twice as big and maybe they go to the AM PM or do half days or something and it's only gonna be cool better and cooler if more people come. So if you're on the fence, come yeah. to it next year. Yeah. Area four it's a great match. Chad does a good job. And staff. Absolutely. That's all I got, boys. Let's pinch it off. Go check out the Facebook page. We do go live there. Not all of them are great. Oh, yeah, real quick, <laughs> I wanted to apologize for that Saturday <laughs> Night Live. That was terrible. Uh, we learned some things about how we did that, and we won't do that again. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was all just But, fault. yes. Yeah, it was all my fault. So, go follow the Facebook page and, and Instagram, because we do yeah. go live on both. And uh, we do post up for questions periodically, and then you can tune in for the lives. We go live from majors, usually go to a major, talk about the match. Uh, It's been working pretty good, and I think the guys are planning on doing it from nationals. That is all. We'll pinch it off and catch y'all the next one.